Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I don't take life for granted. At this point, it's all gravy. <laughs> Get it? Gravy? Yes. I'm ready to be a house husband, but I'm not quite that rich. But I have a lot to be thankful for. It's the holidays, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it's like you're taking me on a journey from here forward and things are happening. Oh, we're riding it. We're riding it. Uh, you guys, it's a Thanksgiving spectacular. I'm yes. putting that on my ass. It's Andy's Girls. It's episode 268, and I'm so excited to be joined by one of my favorite guests who puts me in the holiday spirit regardless of when we record. <laughs> I love this person so much. You know him as news and entertainment journalist and pop culture expert. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Richie Sky. How Thank are you? Thank you for having me. I, You know what? Actually, when you asked me that earlier today, I was like, uh, I'm great. That's my standard answer, right? But my real response is, yeah, tell me your I am in this whole moment of slightly feeling overwhelmed by things that I've done to myself, <laughs> activities mm. that I- Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how it it's, happens. It's self-inflicted. Doesn't matter. But I feel like I'm being, like God is trying to stretch me and I am mm. resisting. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it, it's it's an interesting space to be because I feel like in order for me to become, I think, where I'm supposed to be, like, I have to become a different person. 
And how do we, why do we feel like you have to become a different person? Because I think I have to develop new habits and routines that would, I think, put me where I am envisioning myself being. And right now I still have some lazy genes. <laughs> Richie. And I need to, I need to get over that. I have some lazy, I, I'm going to be honest. I have some lazy, I have some procrastination. I have some, um, some fear of certain levels of success I'm discovering. And it's quite the interesting journey that I'm on right now. Yeah. I hear you and I, appreciate your candor and I don't want to take away from that at all however (laughs) as I've known to do also because I had therapy literally that's that ended 13 minutes ago um is it possible that we do a little bit of a recalibration a little in the sense of like being kinder to yourself even in the in you could even take it from the most positive aspect of like I don't need to change who I am I don't need to be a different person Mm. if there are mechanisms that you feel like can help you with any professional situational anxiety or stress if it's possible to work towards that great but like also you have survived until this point so you're obviously doing something great like regardless of the professional or including the professional you are a whole person it is not just your incredible work success of which we are all aware and your goals and, and, you know, where you want to go next. I mean, the same body that got you to that point is the same body and spirit and soul that got you to survive a global fucking pandemic. (laughs) You're in the middle. We keep forgetting that we're still in this. And I don't mean it from a safety perspective, but I do mean it in from like a survivalist body sensation and it is possible that some fears anxieties and I'm not putting this on you I'm saying very generally not specific to you but any experience or a feeling of like procrastination which is like very I now understand it to be for my own life a reaction to like trauma I experienced when I was younger and like the changes you're like genetic coding essentially in the way that I experience procrastinating is actually related to a trauma response and anxiety that I feel and like fears Mm. and blah, blah, blah. So much fun. So much fun. But I, I, there is a, a way that our reactions to life feel like they're normal because we're still people and we still have to pay our bills and we still have hopes and dreams. But the actual experience of where we are now, it is It is a fucking miracle that the people who are listening to this pod, you and I, anyone who's not, that we are still here after what has happened in the global world, the connective thread, the trauma that we have all experienced since March 2020 and for many people years prior, you know? Yeah. So I, I get you and I'm not taking away from that, but I do think acknowledging how far you've come the fact that you are human the fact that working on yourself and through stuff is great and important but also just like a slight just slight judge in the (laughs) idea that you are doing so well and you are working on career moves in a global 
pandemic. Do you know how hard that is? Do you know how strong you are to be able to say there are things that I want to change? You're in the middle of a global pandemic and you are working on this stuff. That's incredible. That's incredible. I just, through the lens, I added a little zhuzh, I don't know, a little zhuzh to that. But and you I know, and I, I, I definitely needed that, you know, but it, it was funny. I was thinking to myself, let me just let me just really state how I'm feeling right now. I because love I love that. I mean, so often I feel like we give the standard response and I was like, yeah, you know I'm what? Great. I'm you? not going to yep. do that today. <laughs> I love that. And you know what? Honestly, it's so helpful to me and inspiring. And um, I recorded pretty recently with Emerson Collins and I asked him at the beginning of the pod, how are you? And he was like, I'm actually, I don't know how, you know, like he gave and he said, you know, I, um, as a part of his response, he's like, I'm actually really focused on like responding in a way that is connected to how I truly feel. Mm. And it's tough even in the world of podcasting because you know that when you're talking about how you feel, there are a lot of people listening to that who maybe we don't for me often don't necessarily need a lot of people <laughs> to know how I'm feeling, to know what I'm struggling with, whatever. And it's also like, I don't really feel like saying it out loud because then it's more real. I would rather be like, I'm doing great. I'm so great. And many times when I'm recording, I'm not, I'm really struggling. I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm dealing with a depressive episode. I'm dealing with severe problems happening in my family right now I'm triggered by the holidays because the Instagram of it all everybody looks really happy and I'm like I don't have that experience in my life with my family dynamic mm. it's a lot so I am really appreciative for your bravery which is what that is to tell how you feel because it's allowing me to feel vulnerable and to open up which I honestly wouldn't have done. <laughs> but you know what, though, I it's I think it's so often because we do share this experience of podcasting and sort mm -hmm. of broadcasting how we feel about certain topics, but it's not a lot of times about how we internally feel ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle, and you almost have to put everything on the back burner and just feel those things in those quiet moments. But in the other moments you have to, I'm on, I'm talking, you know, this is the conversation and you're fully in it. And then you almost forget that you have this overwhelm over here. Mm -hmm. So I just felt like, you know what, today, I'm just gonna be real. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. And it's like, it's something that I struggle with because I try, it's like, I have to be sometimes just for my own mental health, aware of what I'm saying in the sense of when I'm like very vulnerable for mm -hmm. experiences, because you know, you've been on AG so many times that it's all about discussing the housewives and all things about these, the women's behavior that we love to discuss through the lens of our own experiences as human people. And you know, it's be the show has become a little bit of a sweet spot for that. Where yeah. it's like you really, there, you know, the the best conversations happen when people allow themselves to really share how they feel, and it, you don't have to share like personal. You know, it's not like a, a requirement, but it's it's helpful to hear a person's voice and perspective when they're being truly honest. And the flip side to that is that 
as a part of me sharing my opinions, it's just one person's opinion, 268 episodes behind them, but um, plus Patreon, but it's just one person's opinion, but it's often informed by my experience. And the difficulty that I have faced is for my own like mental health journey, figuring out a way to stay honest and yet still feel to be able to understand that people are going to criticize troll attack mental health experiences that I have shared and to find a way to navigate that so that I still continue to do this but I don't feel like I am to figure out a way to to somehow navigate the discomfort yeah sometimes the biggest challenge is just trying to figure out and navigate that and to still be able to find spaces in which to open up knowing that every time that you do part of opening yourself up is opening yourself up to that kind of reaction it's Mm -hmm. it's tough it's like not what you would expect for a quote-unquote podcast about housewives you know (laughs) but it is what it is it is what it is what it is it is what it is I mean, do you, what are you doing this week that is going to be good for you? What are you doing this week to be gentle and kind to yourself during That's, the global pandemic and right. Thanksgiving? That's the good thing. I, tomorrow I'm going to drive home to my parents' house. It's going to mm. be a five hour drive where I will just be, no. I, listen, there's a good and a bad to that. The bad is okay. it's five hours. Okay. Like yeah. the reality of it is that's bad. But uh-huh. the flip side of that is that it will allow me time to just breathe. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, and I just think I need to just have a moment to breathe and just oh my God, let love. my thoughts wander and just enjoy. Because the drive home is really beautiful. So I'll see a lot of mountains and stuff like that. Then when I get home and I need to, you know, I have to show you my reading list. I'm going to read it out loud so they know I have Dorinda's. Do it. <laughs> Make it nice. Okay. Me the book. Oh, <laughs> I have my The Housewives, The Real Story mm-hmm. Behind the, ho- the Housewives by mm-hmm. Brian Moylan. And it's so good. Oh it's my God, I'm excited. It's so and I also good. just got Not All Diamonds and Rosé oh, by Dave okay. Quinn. So I am going to get home to my parents' house. I'm going to watch movies. I'm going to eat. I'm going to read. And I'm going to do a little work, absolutely. But it won't be so much that I am um, overwhelmed. Mm. I love that. Are we thinking, are you thinking music? Like, what are we thinking for the car? Are we thinking silence? Are we, what are we thinking? Are we um, it's video, if that's definitely like, going to be podcasts? music. I may listen to mm. a couple of podcasts. I may, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I, there, I have some audiobooks that I've downloaded that I may re-listen to, um, mm. just to kind of like, again, just let my thoughts wander and just enjoy the scenery. Mm-hmm. I love the way see how we like shifted you shifted my perspective of a five hour I can't drive a minute without unfortunately like <laughs> running over a cat which happened I also <laughs> fucked up some tires by running over rocks like I'm not I couldn't it's not possible I technically have a license and like a perfect driving record but like perfectly, <laughs> really, like perfectly James, James Bond a, le- a license to kill <laughs> I mean it's both if you're on the road with me you're both shaking and stirred is all I'm gonna say so um 
I'm allegedly taking a train home. The train, the Amtrak from New York City to Rhode Island for Thanksgiving is $300. Round trip, but $300. That is three times too much. Can you believe? Can you? I haven't bought it yet, which is a really bad idea because I'm like, (laughs) I'm waiting for it to go down. I don't know. I don't know how transportation works. Like, this should be less. So I'm not going to. And then in an hour, it's going to be like eight or something insane. It's not going to be that. But But I would um, imagine that is a beautiful ride home in my mind. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I'm usually listening to music on. IG so it's like a beautiful it's a beautiful the leaves are changing the foliage but like I don't know I don't fucking care it's like when you grow up with it you're like I could give a shit people that come to New England are like oh it's so beautiful I'm like I but it's what I experienced so I'm just ready to escape you know what I'm saying I don't like die for it um but listen the leaves are changing the seasons have changed since mm-hmm. we were last on AG and I feel like you know for the next Five to seven minutes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying before we wrap? Let's get um, into it. Let's get into it. Listen, I need to know your thoughts. I have so many questions for you. And I feel like let's just talk about Potomac for a second. Okay. For a second. I mean, okay. six to eight hours. Six to eight hours. <laughs> what has your experience been watching this season? How do we feel? You know, we feel interestingly, I can pretty much, my thoughts on Potomac are somewhat predictable. Okay? okay. I knew that the editing was going to be phenomenal. Mm. I knew that the casting, the casting was very, I felt like it was well put together for maximum chaos, which I do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, as usual, I was triggered by some things <laughs> that were done by certain cast members, as I knew I would be. I did try to go into this season with an open mind and an open heart and a clear slate. But I discovered as I w- continued to watch that leopards don't tend to change their spots too much. So I left feeling equally as frustrated as I think I did not quite as much as I did last season, but I at least left this season with some hope for some fun with regards to the reunion. And mm-hmm. the fun is coming by the way of watching Nicki Minaj, who is a fan of the show, really get in there and ask questions. And I felt like it gave the reunion the last, cause I'm not really a fan of a four part reunion. If it can be yeah, done in same. two, let's do it in two. <laughs> but I get it. You want to you want to stretch it out for advertising. Yeah. Hey, I understand it. But I yeah, do think yeah. that, you know, for the audience's sake, I mean, listen, we don't need a lot of fluff. And to have to wait four weeks until you get to either the final part, which is supposed to be the, the magic. I mean, it's it's not always worth it, a.k.a. Beverly Hills. But I do mm-hmm. feel like. Again, Nikki is bringing a shot of adrenaline regardless i know some people feel a certain type of way about her and i want to acknowledge that right off the top but Mm -hmm. i'm trying to simply look at her from an entertainment perspective with regards to a show that i love and the job that she is doing on this show that is it um so yeah i mean i'm i'm here for it so far 
I'm here for it so far. Again, there's some still some problematic things, but um, aside from that, I it 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 delivered to me. Um, I mean, I do have to say the last 10 minutes of part three, I was like, this is exactly the vibe. Like Nikki coming out and Ashley Darby being like, where am I? (laughs) Ashley Darby immediately spiraling. And you know, everyone is going to be feeling the way she is. She is going to come for Candace. She is going to come for Giselle. She's going to say some, uh, I'm assuming several things to Dr. Wendy. Like there may be Dr. Wendy. There's a lot that is going to take place. But the fact that she... The cast is so discombobulated having Nikki there and having Nikki there ask them very direct questions that Candace is like, well, you know, Ashley's a new mom. Like she, of course she, like it's, we're, this might actually help repair some bonds that were seemingly irreparable, Mm -hmm. irreparable. Like it's, it's actually kind of magical to watch this take place it's kind of magical i think it is because it's also unprecedented we've never had this moment before on a housewives Mm. show and i think for you know housewives to be where they you know where they are seasons upon seasons in the teens you know for some shows and you know for potomac which is fairly still kind of a new kid on the block to, to get this type of treatment so early on in season six i think it bodes well for maybe what we can hope for some of the other franchises to have maybe just even if it's someone come in to kind of shake the table up, you know, at the end of the season to ask some questions. I think that Bravo needs to think about incorporating some of that because I do get that Andy serves a purpose as a host. Um, I do think that he is somewhat predictable as a host. Mm. And I, I, again, I, he is he is the face of the brand, and I get it, and I'm not mad at that. But again, having someone else kind of come in that can ask the questions that people really want to know, and then when if the cast member does not answer that question, Andy kind of lets them kind of skate off into the sunset, even without really giving a response, but he can at least say that he asked the question. Whereas Nikki is like, no, 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 that's, I mean, we're going to dive deeper into that because you didn't either answer my question or I want to know more. And that's what we, the audience, I feel like what we want. And there's also questions that he can't ask. Right. They're just simply questions that he can't and should not ask yep. that Nikki can, which I think is incredibly important. And it's also obviously there would be no point to like tell these women in advance that she's coming on. And I do think that they were genuinely surprised. The fact that they did that fucking, um, uh, uh, you know, like video bullshit at the beginning and they intentionally made like the internet or whatever, the video itself seems so shoddy. Like she was out of a place of whatever. It was so smart. I really, it, cause like they know we get it and it's like, Oh, you can't even really see her, but she sent a video and blah, blah, blah. I mean, are you kidding me? So good. It just feels like, you know, it feels really good. I do want to circle back a little bit to a leopard and her spots. Um, can I ask a little bit about what, specifically sure. i'm gonna pretend i have no idea what you're talking about even though I, I think i do um but when it comes to the idea of like someone behaving in the same way that you found upsetting or triggering 
Um, can you expand on that a little bit and, and and a reaction to how that was unpacked at all on the reunion, if so? Sure. I'll give you two examples. Uh, the Love. first for me is, is Giselle. I have a sort of love... Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Oh my God. I'm so glad I asked. I have okay, a, I have going. a love, not love relationship with Giselle. Overall, I find Giselle amusing. Um, mm -hmm. some, but still yet somewhat predictable because we know every season she's going to kind of be the person that comes in and does, you know, the dirty work behind the scenes to get the storylines going, AKA bring up some rumors about Wendy's husband, Eddie, and bring it to the show multiple times so that we really digest it, that, that this is going to be a thing moving forward. You know, uh, Wendy calls her out on it, having seen it done last year to Monique. But mm -hmm. what I found interesting that I felt like I was disappointed by was, you know, there was a moment where Andy asked if there were any apologies that needed to be made to Eddie. And Eddie, who remained very calm, very chill, you know, throughout the reunion and throughout the season, for the most part, you know, just comes across as such a nice guy. Um, yeah. And I understand why Wendy was so protective of him. But, you know, Giselle had a moment where when, when Andy asked if, you know, she thought she should apologize and, and she said no. I just felt like, you know, regardless of, of whether or not you said that the rumors, you didn't believe the rumors, you still brought them to the show. So if you never believed the rumors, why would you even talk about them? Because I wouldn't talk about something that I don't believe. So for me, I felt like there was an opportunity there for her to just at least um, settle the waters on that situation so that going into next season, there was hope for some type of resolve between her and Wendy. Because to not apologize, it just it just assumes no responsibility for actions that we're taking that could have hurt, you know, someone else's husband. And I just think that that was um, not cool to do. Um, it just it just could have been done. I mean, she could there was an opportunity there for a moment. And I just felt like Giselle missed the mark on that one. Mm -hmm. The other person that I find to be highly triggering is still Candace. I mean. And I am trying, I'm struggling with this because I know that she has people that are fans of hers. And I, I acknowledge, hey, you know, have your favorites because everybody deserves love. But there are things that she continually does that I just don't understand the behavior. And I don't know if it's me that I'm thinking about, because I tried to go into this with a clean slate this season, but I don't know if it's me holding on to and knowing certain things that she said in the past that have never been acknowledged. And then to add on to that, it wasn't like there was a shift in behavior. No, the behavior continued this season, you know, with the stuff with, you know, Mia's mom, even though she says she didn't know anything about the mom. Um, it just seems wow. very pointed to go there and to double down on it and triple down on it when you claim to not have known anything about it, this is a new type of insult for Candace. So it's not like she was running around saying your mama last year. If that were the case, then I would sort of be like, okay, but it wasn't. So, and then there's just the, you know, um, you know, calling Ashley, ref suggesting that Ashley was a slave, you know, but, you know, it, if the, 
to be real, if the conversation had been reversed and Ashley had said that about her, there would have been a lot of uproar about that because of the colorism aspect that, you know, uh, Dr. Wendy and Candace have highlighted on the show. So you kind of have to say, well, you can't cry colorism, Candace specifically, but then, and I'm not saying that it doesn't exist because I don't know the inner workings of that show. But what I am saying is to cry about colorism and then to call someone a slave who is of mixed race, I just find that disturbing. Because if you're going to be talking about colorism, then that's a fight that we all can join in on because it's not something that we want to see continue to happen. But you can't be that person you know, highlighting colorism, but yet calling your castmate a slave because her husband is white when your husband is white. So there's a deeper issue there, there that I just feel like I'm here for petty insults. I am, yeah. you know, because it's part of the show. But I think that's such a huge issue and a huge topic that is so nuanced that a reality TV show, uh, it's so it's so it's so much bigger than a reality TV show, and when you bring up an issue like that, it's really serious. And we as a community really need to stop and look at it when you say that. And so I just feel like she uses that term sometimes very cavalierly, and that is problematic for me. And I, it's hard to talk about because as a light skinned man, you know, I I I just choose my words carefully because it is something that still impacts the black community. So in being in my attempts to be very real today, that's a real conversation that that does need to be had. However, um, and I'm not saying again, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist within that group, because I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm not a, I, I don't know the inner workings of it. But just stuff like that. And then, you know, referring to Mia as a prostitute, you know, calling her husband a pimp, stuff like that. I just feel like it goes a little bit too far for me. And it it feels that's when it begins to feel toxic. And I don't like that. And so that's what I mean by not changing a leopard, not changing their spots, because I don't feel like there's been any real growth. Um, first off, thank you so much for sharing. It's, it's a lot to think about. And I think the the topic of colorism is so complicated to navigate because the women on the couch who are lighter skinned acknowledge the idea of colorism in society, but not necessarily on the show. And I think that sets up a really difficult navigational process because many things can be true. It is possible that colorism very apparently potentially exists on Potomac right. and can be seen through the language that's used to describe um, behavior exhibited by Wendy and Candace that isn't used to describe anyone else in the cast. I mean, that the cast themselves use. It, it is possible that colorism is alive and well in society and also on the show. And it's also possible that there are racially insensitive and racially tinged phrases 
that are used by Candace against Ashley that are problematic. And it is also po- possible on another note that Candace's behavior is different from behavior from other women in the cast. And it's also possible that she's judged more harshly in general by the Bravo yep. community. And it is possible that colorism plays a part in that. And it is yep. also possible that Candace isn't held accountable for her behavior and brings up colorism in a way that it should be brought up and it should be discussed. And yet, doesn't absolve her of taking accountability for going too far in a way that many people, obviously not all people, but many people feel is different from how other women fight or um, take jabs at each other or whatever else on the show. I got into this on the last episode with Joel Kim Booster, who was like, essentially, I don't see a difference between how Karen and Giselle battle and what Candace does like Karen talks about like Giselle's like fucking vagina I forget what it was. she said that vagina or something or like old some sort of vaginal rejuvenation that hasn't taken place that she made jokes about and he was like genuinely how is that different and I said I feel like it is I'm telling you as someone who is triggered by Candace's body and fat shaming and uh uh just ugly tropes that she relies on that she is aiming for the softest most sensitive part of a person and if she feels like your body to me doesn't seem like an ideal body by society I'm gonna drag you for it I'm gonna do it consistently versus Karen and Giselle where it's like they say things that obviously if you see it on paper you're like wow that seems really harsh but it's said to me in a way that is very dramatic that that Karen is not being literal when Karen is talking about to me when Karen is talking about Giselle's vagina she's not saying it as a way of like a gynecological examination would show yada yada and when Candace talks about it she says it in a way where I'm looking at the mirror of your body and I'm telling you it's not good which is very different to be illustrative to me in a drag versus intentional in the way that Candace is. And it feels like that is a part of this. It's a very muddy, difficult, uh, tenuous drive, drive back for us to take because there should be a conversation about colorism. And when Ashley says it doesn't exist, that makes all of this difficult. But it's also difficult because there are ways that Candace could be right about how people react to her behavior and how she is um, discussed by the Bravo audience and whomever else content creators, Andy, however else, it is possible that there are absolute reasons to bring up colorism. And it's also possible that Candace is doing things that go too far. And it's very difficult to try to like have these conversations as a community. I'm acknowledging that I am a white woman. I can go fuck myself when it comes to topics of colorism. I am trying to listen to other content creators and I'm also disagreeing with them. Like I'm, I can have a conversation and be a mature enough adult to say like, I actually disagree with what you're saying. Like 
I can have I have the right to have a difference of opinion like I have the right to use my voice and say how I feel and I also have the right to say like this is very complicated and a lot of people have opinions and a lot of elements of them have truth and the problem for me with Candace is like she will never she celebrates the fact that she doesn't take responsibility and that's tough and it's also tough because it's very apparent to a lot of people that a lot of this stems from her relationship with her mother but it doesn't absolve her. There's no absolution. Is that the right use of the word? I don't know. Happy Thanksgiving. It's the right. It's not. She is trying to essentially cleanse herself of the um, behavior that she has exhibited by saying it is no different from anyone else. I'm just better at it. And that's a really tough dynamic when you get into issues of people being triggered and of going too far because what happened to what Giselle and Karen are talking about? They had this beautiful moment where they're like, um, I appreciate that you don't cross my boundaries and my boundary is my children. We all acknowledge that that was a beautiful moment, but why, where's the stopping, where's the stop gap for Candace where she thinks to herself, you know, what would be great. You know what I could be the best at not saying that thing about that new mother's body. You know what I could be the best at is like dragging someone however I want to verbally, but doing so in a way that I want to say like stems the tide in a way that uh, shows that I am the best because I didn't need to go that extra step. I didn't need to call this woman handsome. I didn't need to talk about her feet and her hands in a way that to me feels very suspicious. There are things there. What happened to the idea of celebrating the fact that you no longer need to make someone feel shame about themselves? You can make someone feel like shit. I have no problem with that. It's the making someone feel shame. That's tough. Yeah, I, I and I think you hit the nail on the head with a lot of different things there. I think it and to take to take things a step further, I believe that Wendy talking about colorism, I'm gonna stop and listen. Mm. Because I feel as though Wendy isn't reaching for the lowest place when she's insulting someone. She really isn't. She can she really isn't. She can read you down, but she does so in a way that's just eloquent and it's probably the commentator in her, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. probably all of that. But I just feel like the way she speaks is with such dignity and pride about how she delivers her messaging. And so I think that while Candace could be saying something that's very true about colorism and what she feels in the cast, which I have to validate, it's just harder to take, I think, and this is where I'm, and I'm being very real, I'm just continuing to struggle because I know the things that she has said, not only to her castmates, but online to people on social media, to complete strangers, to other Mm -hmm. bloggers, that is what I'm wrestling with. And I don't know. And I'm and this is me. And I, I feel like I just maybe I'm old school, quote unquote, in how I believe that stars or reality stars or TV personalities should act. 
And I just don't think that they should do that. I have the, what would Beyonce do sort of mentality about how I operate. So that makes me feel like when someone says something negative, I'm not responding to that. You know what I'm saying? And she, I just feel like she's at a level. Why are you responding to random people on social media who are maybe giving their opinion that could be negative? And I'm not saying she doesn't have a right to defend herself with the cast or with other people, but it's just like, shouldn't you be above this now? Um, I mean, if there was ever an example of someone who's not playing it up for cameras, Candace is like the number one best exhibit in the sense that we watch her go too far and say incredibly derogatory, mean-spirited, harmful things. And we know that she does it to people in real life. Like we just know that she does. And the Candace conversation is so difficult because she is demanding accountability. She's trying to bring light to a conversation that's not often talked about. She's trying to have these kinds of conversations, but she's looking for one-sided empathy. She's looking for one-sided openness in the sense that we're having these really difficult conversations, but you are unwilling to process when someone says that something is harmful to them when you are shaming their body or when you are wishing death on someone or when you are calling someone a slave repeatedly and we're focusing on a tweet and not the words and video that we watch this season. It's really tough. It's tough to balance because it requires an acknowledgement that how she is behaving as a result of that kind of language and behavior is different and it's tough because she might be treated differently Mm -hmm. as a result of that behavior absolutely she could be entirely right and we and she deserves to have us listen not necessarily because of her specifically but because it's important for us to learn and understand it's possible she's being treated differently and being um punished more for stuff that maybe someone else in the cast wouldn't be punished for if they behaved in that way it just so happens that no one is behaving in that way everyone except for dr wendy for her own reasons acknowledges that candace goes too far and also goes as far as to say in the words of of either karen or giselle i forget who i think it was karen at a certain point we essentially won't want to film with you we're not going to want to participate in this if you continue to say these things because it's exhausting and it's tough Mm -hmm. to have that kind of conversation because we know she continues to behave this way even when she says i'm getting better we know that she's not we know that she continues to say derogatory mean-spirited cutting things to people on social and she may also go that to that point because she's been pushed so hard by people i'm sure sending her death threats saying Mm. terrible things Mm. saying awful things about her mother her relationship with her mother but it doesn't change the fact that when we talk about what we're talking about on camera and we know that it's a consistent universal long-standing behavioral model that candace is following regardless of who created it it's still bad like it's it's tough it's it's why i appreciated the conversation with joel because he was like i'm i'm a fan of candace and i think she's great and i acknowledge that what she said is like 
he had questions about why it was different, but he does acknowledge that she's like a complicated and in some ways yeah. didn't use this phrase. I am using this, but like problematic figure. And it's important to acknowledge that. I think it helps our conversation when we're saying it. And it's also okay to be like, I don't see a difference. It's okay if you don't, but it's helpful to listen to others who do, you know, hopefully. And and even having said all that, I don't, I don't want to see Candace fired. No, I I want to, I want to follow her story. She has a very interesting dynamic with her mom and her husband. And I want to see all of that. And she's funny when she wants to be, she brings some humor when, and I feel like Mm -hmm. if you, if she could just learn to master the gift, then I think that she would be an ultimate housewife but i think she hasn't done it yet and it may be an age thing you know maybe it's something you kind of grow into whereas i feel like you know karen and giselle we look at them and i feel like mm-hmm. something that karen said was they they both kind of do these things with a little bit of a nod and a wink there's yeah. some seriousness there i think sometimes but there's still a nod and a wink and they don't take they each other seriously humor. at all right and you, right. there's a humor that you feel that we do not feel when it comes from Candace. And I think that she wants us to feel that, mm-hmm. but it it is not there. It's not connecting in the way that she thinks it is. So I'm hopeful that next season, <laughs> you know, um, that, that she learns how to toe the line of being entertaining without being offensive. I mean, it is the the Candace construct is the great irony of housewives where people say repeatedly, we want you to be real. You right. seem too manufactured. You're performative. Right. You're putting on a show. And Candace is being very real. When she says it. <laughs> we know she believes And it. you know and what? Like, I, I, I will say. Less real? I, I will say. <laughs> you know what? You are absolutely right about that. I'm going to acknowledge that. She's real. She's real. Honestly, and that's maybe that's something that people I'm sure it's something that people are attracted to in the sense that like we know she means it. We know she does this in her daily life. And we also know based on the model of her mother that maturity in age does not mean anything when it comes to emotional maturity and the ability to take account accountability and responsibility because the way that her mother on that fucking phone call was like I'm going to apologize to Chris no you're not you're not because we know you're not because we know that her mom takes joy in unfortunately what is resulting pain to her daughter to her son-in-law to his family who watches every episode it's not a great, you know, what I did think was really illuminating was Candace saying and Chris acknowledging there are great things about uh, Dorothy, obviously. She's really a, a great person in many ways. And there are also things when I look at her, there are things that I am trying to unlearn in myself. There are things that I am trying not to repeat. And I think that that is helpful. And I think it's just one of those things where maybe because she knows as um as like the you know person number one to have experienced it from 
you know, the purposes of being her mother's child, that maybe she knows that her mom was so good at being cutting. Her mom was so good at pushing boundaries that she knows enough to know it's so successful that like, why should she have to change it in her life? And she looks at the ways her mom doesn't take responsibility. And maybe she feels like ultimately that's why she doesn't have to as well. And maybe, I don't know. I've never thought about this before, but like maybe she thinks that if her mom, maybe if she thinks that if she starts on the process of taking responsibility and being accountable and being apologetic for her behavior, which I don't think she wants to. She she thinks of it as a positive attribute um, that she uses her words well. But maybe in a weird way, she might feel like she's letting her mom down to change her behavior in that way. Does that make any sense? It does. It does. I, I think that, um, you know, when Andy asked if she felt like she was like her mother and she did say yes, I mean, she gave a, mm. a, a longer answer to that, but yep. the, the gist of it was yes. I do think now, see, this is where I feel like, you know, Candace shines is that I do sense that there is this very complicated relationship between her and her mother and mm -hmm. us trying to figure out where that's going to go and mm -hmm. how is she living in her mother's expectations of who mm -hmm. she is supposed to be. And I think that Candace also is in some ways, I think emulating maybe what she sees from the other ladies. And again, I feel like it's, as she will always state, well, everybody in, in this group does it. So she feels like what she's doing is okay. But I think that also too, she's missing the mark a little bit in how it's done, mm. you know? Um, so, Cause she is correct when she states that these are things that everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. She's correct. I cannot, I cannot disagree with that. Um, it's just, I, again, I just, I am hopeful again that, some, I feel like sometimes we look at a character on a show and we think there's a difference between a, a person's story and mm -hmm. a storyline. And I think even Nikki kind of mentioned this, you know, she was asking Ashley if, did you carry your breast milk down to Williamsburg, you know, or, or something like that, because you didn't have a storyline indicating that she jumped on Giselle's bandwagon with Wendy because she didn't have a storyline. But I think that there's also this idea of story, a, a person's story, which is really what we're supposed to be following when we talk about reality TV shows. I think it just right. gets convoluted with this idea of a storyline, which is obviously their, their, through, their through line for the show. But a person's story, I think, is what is naturally happening in that person's life. And Ashley's story of her and her husband and having the second child, that's the story to me. Similar to Candace, her story is her complicated relationship with her mom and that dynamic with her and Chris and her mom. And I think viewers have maybe not gotten the full scope of that because as Chris stated in the episode, hey, listen, you know, you guys have me painted out to be some type of, you know, nobody. Yeah. And I've, I've, I had a whole other house that I was paying for. So yeah, I mean, 
Why would I pay for their investment property when I've got a whole other house? We never got that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I, again, this is why I hope that maybe, I, I don't know if there's some type of pressure to, again, emulate the, the shady dynamics between, you know, Karen and Giselle, you know, between like, you know, Candace and Ashley or Candace and Mia. And maybe she's in our eyes, I should say, maybe she's going too far. And maybe less focus on that and more focus on the real story. Yeah. Which is her relationships with her family, because that is interesting. And that's what I want to yeah. see from her. Yeah. And it's hard because it's like equal parts. If something is upsetting there, it does feel like there's a responsibility to talk about it. And also it's exhausting to discuss. Like, it's like, how do you, there's no way there. Because like, I don't want to talk about it, but like, I can't get past it. It's why the first two parts of the reunion were tough for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you got to talk about it because it's happening. Right. We can't not acknowledge it. We got to have a real conversation about it. And unfortunately, when you talk about Potomac, this is a big part of what we've yeah. got to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of stuff to talk about, Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy. Miss Not So Zen Win. Receipts by Kinko's, Staples, <laughs> CVS Pharmacy and Photo. I mean... Fuck, man. She really, I was impressed by the cardboard. I got to tell you, that is not inexpensive. I was impressed by the car, by the cardboard as well. You know what's funny? So to watch Giselle and Robin's reactions, I think were funny because I, I from my understanding, Giselle and Robin kind of both just go into the reunion, like at least Giselle unprepared. Like there's nothing that she's mm -hmm. going to prepare in advance. Actually, right. she seemed like, I mean, not that she was, but she seemed like on Xanax or something like that, because it just seemed like she was just kind of like barely there. She so, was a little subdued. Yeah, it was very little interesting. Subdued. Very, very interesting. And so for I think because of their reactions to Dr. Wendy's um, receipts, I should say, I felt like some of some of the viewers I noticed when I was doing my lives, you know, felt like, you know, Wendy was doing too much with her receipts. And I'm like, I don't think she was doing too much per se. Um, maybe her presentation lacked a little bit with the loose leaf, but I, I <laughs> you know, with the with the Sprint phone bill, you remember oh, I, I was talking tough. to my audience. I was like, remember back in the day we used to get those Sprint, I, I don't, if, for Sprint users, I know, but we used to get these, the phone bill statement or whatever. And it was like 20 pages of like all of your calls. I was like, 100%. she went, she went back and she got all of her statements from those calls. And for Andy, who unfortunately sometimes is not too clued in on the women's interviews and things that they do to understand why Wendy brought that. I mean, you have to really be in the weeds like myself to understand why she printed out that phone receipt because Giselle said in an interview that they had had like a, that they never talked or they had a conversation or something like that. So Wendy's receipts to me made sense. And I understood that she knew she was going to be gaslit. I felt like she was being gaslit. I felt like I was gaslit a little bit. Um, so I felt like she felt like they were necessary, but I don't know that they landed with the audience or with Andy. I mean, they did feel a little, 
they didn't feel entirely effective <laughs> because I think what she was saying was like, you're lying about an hour long call or whatever. And like, you're going to say you call me back, but I have additional records. But the thing is, it's so inside baseball that it's like that doesn't we need more of like a narrative whenever anyone brings a receipt it's just you're heightening the chances that this is not going to land the thing with Monique's binder that was so amazing wasn't actually even the receipts which were like okay like great but like also very inside baseball it was the fact that it was like organized and document she literally had a binder like with <laughs> tabs like with everyone including her allies just in case she needed to like bring those out like that is very funny but you know a loose leaf after a year after a binder is a tough navigation like it is a little bit of like it's skipping a generation here you know what i'm saying mm. but and I'm, I'm sure she's like what what was important to understand was that the crisis between Robin and Dr. Wendy came as a result of playing telephone where Robin is saying, regardless of whether or not you believe it, Robin is saying, I genuinely did not understand what you guys were talking about. I wasn't sure if it was the stuff we discussed privately or something else. And she is saying, I wasn't trying to stir shit up by asking what is it you're talking about. I just want to make sure that we're all talking about the same thing. And then with Dr. Wendy and Giselle, where Dr. Wendy is saying, and regardless of whether or not you believe her, and we don't really know because it's like sliding door style. We don't know. We haven't experienced it. I would have felt better if you had actually said these things to me and said it in a way where we were all clued into the reality of like you talking about a blog that's talked about you having like STDs or something where you're acknowledging that you don't believe it. And you're also acknowledging what happens when you talk about it on camera. And it's the single act of doing that. I feel like you were manufacturing for cameras for TV. And I just need you to acknowledge the harm of that. Like, you can still say you were doing it because you were worried about me, regardless of whether or not I believe it. <laughs> but some of your behavior does seem to show that your concern was maybe less about me and more about having something to talk about. Yeah. You know? I, and I, I don't think she'll ever get that. No, I don't think she will. And I, I think that, you know, the Robin thing kind of just. Oof. That's where I was like. Am I being gaslit right now? Because now I'm feeling bad for Robin. I, you know, I, I just, it's one of those situations where it's a sticky situation because I can't prove it one way or another, whether or not she really felt like that, but she did of give course. a plausible reason as to why she might not have realized that's what it was. But it was a little odd because in a scene prior to that, that Robin later said was chopped and screwed we saw Giselle or we at least heard Giselle mention those rumors to Robin while they were in Williamsburg. So those little Easter eggs, I felt like led me down the path of Robin, you know, exactly what she's talking about. You, your buddy just mentioned it to you. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And also like, if you don't know, is it because you really don't know or you want to make sure 
Like, is she thinking from a production perspective of like both? That I part. don't know. And I also want us to like talk about this so that it, like the framing of this makes sense because you and I have texted or, or whatever at whatever point, And I was asking about attorneys for this blog and what kind of attorneys Eddie. And that was done in private text message. So maybe the folks at home don't know. I mean, it would have been helpful looking back. It would have been helpful if Robin had been like, Oh, is this about that thing that you and I discussed? But then it ties into a whole other thing of like, oh, this had been introduced in a different way that wasn't just that. Right. I, I don't know. It's one of those things that we won't. It was illuminating in the sense of like understanding Robin's perspective a little bit. And I think Wendy was hindered from the receipts because even if they showed that Giselle was lying or or manufacturing something even just about the phone call from a reunion narrative perspective it's not gonna win like the win here to say that Giselle said a phone call was longer or didn't happen even if it's super influential to the actual crisis here of why she's bringing this stuff up on camera or the fact that I was hurt by it or whatever else you're not gonna win on that it's like Carol's receipts from carol v bethany like you might prove something but it's it's you're not you're just going to be mired in paperwork it's not from a performance like <laughs> performance perspective. You're just, it's just paperwork it's you just honestly paperwork. you it's hit hr the, it's cindy from hr you hit the nail on the head i mean i think that there is something to be said for a reunion performance and i don't mean yeah. like how well you're you're doing but how how did what you say, how was it, how did it land, you know? Yeah. And that was unfortunately, Car Carol, you know what's funny? And I was just thinking about this as we were talking, I was like, I'm going to need another, a part two to Dave Quinn's book. And I haven't even read part one yet, the first one. Mm. But, you know, on the behind the scenes of how certain things like this work. And I'm glad you brought up the Carol and Bethany thing, because Carol, listen, if you, that season, Carol throughout the season ripped Bethany to shreds, okay, mm -hmm. because she wrote it down in those blogs. Carol is a right. great writer. Now, Bethany is a better orator. You know what I'm saying? Right. Bethany 100%, knows how 100%. to deliver. I thought that Bethany was completely in the wrong that season, but Bethany delivered at the reunion and Carol did Bethany not. Bethany won the reunion. Because Bethany Carol's reunion. not a, she's not a, she can't speak in that in that way that shoots daggers like Bethany can. But again, it, when we were looking at this season, she slaughtered Bethany in her blogs. I mean, and you could sort of compare that a little bit to the Giselle of it all in this sense. And this is something that people have uh, in her cast have said about her. Maybe it was Candace or maybe maybe it was also the audience that I'm thinking about, too. But the idea that like Giselle is very, very, very good in confessionals. Very. And she's not necessarily going to be the person to respond in the moment in scenes. And so it's like, is this, does it mean it's more produced or does it mean it's just, that's just a part of her personality. She feels more comfortable being shady or however you want to encapsulate that behavior in a confessional when she's shooting this shit with a producer than she does in group dynamics. Or maybe she feels like the weight of it will be better when done in a confessional than a group dynamic. And, and that's why sometimes at a reunion, you don't, 
necessarily feel that energy and so it's like she might genuinely be off she might genuinely be a a little subdued she might know that people are going to be coming at her for the ways she came at them like there are parts of that that might play out and it might just be that like her e-i-n-f-j whatever the fuck that personality thing extrovert introvert thing is like she's more confessional than she is reunion you know and yet Will she usually win seasons just in the sense of performance, regardless of whether or not you agree? Those confessionals are very good. So it's like, yeah, it's tough. That's the it's the personality test of a housewife and like how they perform in different ways. It does influence if you are an E or an I at the reunion. That does make a difference. And I think that's where I go back. If we circle back, I mean, that's my love and not love for Giselle because she Mm -hmm. is an ideal housewife in the sense of when she's in that confessional, she is on it, you know, Mm -hmm. but like Candace stated during the reunion, she's not good in the moment. Mm -hmm. So maybe she just, I think she just knows her strengths Mm -hmm. and she just plays the cards that she knows will win her the deck. Uh, I, I totally agree. And I do want to shift gears a little bit. This has been so Potomac heavy and I love that about us, but I do want to shift gears a little to getting your thoughts about Salt Lake City. I mean, when we talk about stacking the deck and performance and behavior, there are so many different kinds of performances and behaviors to unpack. But I'm really curious for your thoughts on the Lisa and Meredith of it all when it comes to talking about their own relationship or Jen or Mary on the performance scale, believability scale or your reaction to them scale. How do you find yourself responding to what Lisa's doing and what Meredith's doing separately or together. Real tough, real tough question. I'm going to be very honest with you. So as you should, I, Lisa, I had, I really liked Lisa much of season one and even going into season two and this season as well. Um, She, to me, I got her work ethic. I got all of that. I mm-hmm. understood it as a from a personal and business standpoint. But looking okay. at this show as a housewives, like as someone who dissects all things housewives, um, mm-hmm. that dynamic between the two of them is, I feel like leaning towards Kyle and LVP uh, mm-hmm. level of frenemyship, um, simply because I feel like they're beginning to diverge and they were once seemingly so close. Um, A lot of people think that, you know, Lisa is sort of self-producing or producing in general, just making the chessboard move. I can't speak to whether or not she is, but it looks like that. And what it looks like is Meredith is on the Kyle end of things you know, reacting to what's being, what's happening. Does that make sense? So whereas I felt like on Beverly Hills and it pained me to come to this realization (laughs) because I was a huge, I'm still a huge LVP fan on Housewives. (laughs) <laughs> oh, make that clear. Make that clear. We're not overserved this morning. Thank Let you. Me just say Thank that you. Much. Thank you. Yep. Um, 
it it didn't it, i was one of those people that until the very end i was i was like she is not manipulating you women like this she is not doing this mm -hmm. because i felt like she was probably just really good at it mm -hmm. good at her job mm -hmm. and it wasn't until i think the show uh, somewhat about Be well, beverly hills became about the women trying to find a way to bring it to light um but that's a whole nother discussion. But I, now I feel like I'm seeing a similar situation happen with Lisa and Meredith, since you specifically asked about the two of them. I do feel like maybe Lisa is pulling some strings. Maybe she is making the, the wheel go around. And I think that Meredith may be caught up in the wheel and is trying to figure things out. I feel like some, I, I feel almost like I'm, I'm watching the show through heather and meredith's eyes when i'm watching hmm. and it's funny because heather is oddly team jen meredith hmm. is now oddly team mary i mean it's just like two of the the wildest characters on the show you have two of the ladies who are the most who seem to be the most firmly planted in somewhat in reality really staunchly like championing these two women, which I don't mind, but it's just an interesting dynamic on this show. So I just kind of feel like there is some LVP Kyle similarities there with Lisa and Meredith. That's so interesting. And it's also just the thing of like trying to understand a person's blinder is a really great way to understand that person. And there's so, I feel so much confusion about the Meredith of it all because she doubles down on this, on her support, not just her support of Mary, but this idea that like what she's saying is these are all rumors. None of this is fact. So I'm going to, of course, give it not only give my friend the benefit of the doubt, but also say that the things that other people are saying aren't true because I I guess I personally haven't experienced them or I, I am any unable to actually listen to what they are saying and yet there are audio recordings there's a ton of backup information there are people that have gone on the record from Mary's church who have said these things so Meredith in the course of a single episode is saying well I'm telling you I have security footage at a table so you're going to believe it i hired a cyber security expert or something to find stuff so you're going to have to believe it but when i have someone saying something to me that they have done mortgage their house because they were essentially i think we'll get more information as the season goes on but sort of like guilt tripped faith shamed into doing this as a way to um, show my love for god I'm going to say that that is not a bad thing. I'm going to say that I don't believe what this person is saying because they may have been sick at the time. I'm going to say that the other stuff that we all know exists doesn't exist because it hasn't pr been presented to in a w me in a way that feels factual with a capital F. It's just a huge blind spot that she continues to believe is valid and correct while at the same time telling us that Jen is a piece of shit based on X, Y, and Z. It's an odd when you're using exhibits, 
while also refusing to understand what appears to be several instances of exhibited behavior from one person to the next, it's a little bit of whiplash, no? I think there's a lot of whiplash happening on the show at the moment. And I'm trying to, I, when I watched the last two episodes, specifically the episode mm-hmm. before last, when they were kind of all reacting to it at the table, I tried to also, I, I in my mind, I did try to give each of the women a little bit of grace because yeah. I, also understood that there is an emotional roller coaster that comes with, I can't even imagine being swarmed by police, you know, and then to find out all of this information about, you know, a cast member or a friend. I just think that it has to be a mind cluck, <laughs> you know, to try to wrap your brain around it. And then I think it is natural for everyone to sit around, put it out on the table, what you've experienced with this person, because that's what would happen in real life, whether we want to believe, you know, whether we, you know, it, it, and this is regardless of whether or not Jen is innocent or guilty. Let me just say that. I think it's just that it's happened and you have to react to it. You have to get those feelings out. And I just, I, I wanted to watch that episode and not judge how they reacted. But in moving beyond that, it was just interesting to note the parallels between Meredith and Heather and their staunch loyalties to their friends. Because is that a bad thing? Maybe. Is, and maybe not. You know, um, for Meredith, I think she hasn't had the experience that Whitney has had where Meredith has, where, where Mary has gone off on her. But it's interesting that Heather has had the experience with Jen of the text messages, of the being called Shrek or a manatee, you know, all of these things. I don't know. It's just it's just very interesting watching this friend group navigate their relationships with each other and how they respond to some of the more polarizing figures and then watching the social media afterwards, after last night's, I mean, after Sunday night's episode, it was like, what the heck is happening? Everybody was turning on each other. And so in my mind, this is going to make for a really interesting reunion because I cannot tell who, where the alliances lie anymore. I can't tell who's going to come out on top. It's such a, oh my God, so many good points. Because when it came to the season one reunion, it was so interesting because we had the voice of the audience really making an impact in these cast members who were on TV in this capacity for the very first time. So we did see some changes in behavior, heightened reactions and everything else. When it comes to the impact of the audience for this season, noting the fact that you have a criminal case that seems to be getting stronger and stronger by the day against Jen, potentially including participation of her closest ally outside of the cast with her chief stew with stew, Stuart Smith with stew. I mean, there's going to be a lot of different kinds of impact into how she may or may not react on the show. Also influenced by the fact that she may have this huge mega federal trial in front of her. And so maybe she'll be coached like Erica, my based on how she's behaving on the after show. I think she's maybe not, she might be, she might be advised and she's probably not going to take it. And we're just going to see, it's going to be a big question mark. 
But from the Meredith perspective, I think it will be interesting to get pushback and to see how Andy moderates the idea of the Meredith and Lisa of it all, because I don't know what direction it's going to go in. And I don't know if any opinions are going to change. And I think in the last couple days, Meredith has gotten some negative or constructive pushback that's different from how people addressed her even the week before. So I guess based on her behavior on the after show and watch what happens, she is firmly in not only in team Mary's camp, but team this didn't happen team people who say that bad stuff happened have a personal vendetta and watching Lisa, I'm sure receipt her way to her version of greatness it's going to it's going to be a big wtf but absolutely must watch it is i mean like what else right like it's gonna be a fucking shit show and can i just say that i love these women i I, like i am i am wrapped Mm -hmm. up in salt lake city i mean i am Mm -hmm. i am knee deep in I am there. I am actually in the mountains, right? I, I don't know what it is. I feel I feel like this relate these relationships are so complicated, and I'm so entrenched and interested in their lives. Um, and I haven't felt like this way about a city in a while. So I'm I'm excited, and I'm hopeful that this bodes well for new seasons. Well, d- the Dubai of it all um, in Miami, which is coming. I'm so interested I'm, I'm, and I'm hopeful that Salt Lake City is just a taste of what we're going to be getting in the future. Yes. Oh, my God. If oh, if wishes could be made. So, I mean, I, 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 I absolutely agree. And I think if Ultimate Girls Trip is telling us anything, <gasps> we've still got a way to go in these tires. You're oh, my God. Maybe just listen to some of that <laughs> audio again because Jesus fucking Christ. Listen, Richie Sky, um, uh, verbal friendship contract. Will you come back during the Salt Lake City reunion you next week and every day before? No, I will. I need it to happen. I need us to do like a mega deep dive because I feel like shit is going to go down. Jen's going to be a shit show. Lord knows I have no idea what Heather's genuinely. I don't know what direction Heather's going to go in. Lisa is maybe mid scramble. <laughs> Meredith has taken some wacky ass turns. <laughs> Mary is Mary and Whitney's a genius. So like, I don't, it could be, <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is up? Where am I? I don't know, but I do know that you need to be there. I will be in the car driving off the cliff with you. Okay, phenomenal. <laughs> Die for it. As long as you're at the wheel, because we wouldn't even get to the I forgot. Because I would run over a rock or some cats en route um Richie Sky, tell the folks how can people follow you on YouTube on IG on social on everything what do you have coming up what's what's in the cooker on the Thanksgiving stove that's heading to people heading people's way I don't even know um tell us everything okay so just a couple of things you guys can follow me on Instagram and on YouTube at DJ Richie Sky. I have a new YouTube channel called Richie in Real Life. And it's essentially behind the scenes of creating a YouTube channel and everything that kind of comes along with that. Because I just feel like people, I am very much into people developing their own content and generating content, using it as a means to build 
uh, financial wealth. And so I just feel like I want to take people on that journey because I believe that everybody yeah. should be doing it. Everybody has a story, something that they're interested in. And why not? You know what I mean? Give back. Yeah. Um, wow. So there's that. And oh, my God. So I literally this was so fun. I don't I don't know how this happened. Uh, Candy did a new YouTube video and she featured me and some other YouTubers <gasps> on her channel on the video. Yes. Yes. Oh I'm, I'm literally, God. I was literally watching it before I got on with you and I was like, Oh, let me screen record this so I can post it on Instagram. So I'm going to post that. So that was really, really nice. Like to get that acknowledgement from like Candy is just like, Oh my God. Like she knows who I am. What, what the heck? Um, that's incredible. Yeah. And should we include a link to that in the show notes for yes, this episode? Yes, I will send so you. I will people... send you the link to it. Yeah. Okay, great. So, guys, you can look in the show notes for this episode to watch that Mazel. That is a huge fucking deal. Mazel of the day to you. That's yes. incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my god, she has she ever come on your channel? She needs to come on your channel. No, I knew actually. I knew who. I knew that she knew of me. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I did not know, you know, you just, I mean, you kind of think, uh, you know, she, she might have seen my stuff out there. And she did a live last week with Monique. And I had, mm -hmm. I was watching them because they were talking about business. And, you know, I mm -hmm. did a little super chat and she was like, oh, I know Richie. She was like, I like him. And so it was like, in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, she knows who I am. <gasps> so when she did that in the video, I was like, that was really nice. She didn't have to do that, you know, but to include me, I just felt like it was awesome. I mean, listen, I don't know how I feel about resolutions because I always feel like it it ends up being like a weird thing where it's like, oh, if you don't do this thing by day three, it's like game over. But I do believe in like visualizing hopes and dreams, even though I'm too lazy to do an actual vision board. But in my head, the vision board for 2022, also known as 2021, because I do firmly believe that 2021 hasn't started. But for the <laughs> next year, whatever number that is, I do. But I see it. I see you guys doing some sort of collab video kiki leading to whatever she needs to come on your channel it would be so good she would love it too by the way she would love it i feel as though our paths are on a collision course yes. yeah i see it and i um guys put that energy out there and tell candy to go on because it would be fabulous and i see it i like genuinely just see it it's gonna happen it's gonna happen sooner than later listen you know what should happen you follow me on instagram at dame galley get me to 10k before december 31 is it gonna happen i don't know but it starts with you giving me a follow <laughs> which i would super appreciate uh satchel spectacular up on the patreon number one way to support the podcast where you get exclusive bonus episodes invites to special events you can record a patreon episode with yours truly at the premium tier all that and more patreon.com slash andy's girls richie sky you know i love you to bits i love so you thankful for you i'm so thankful for you and for you coming back tomorrow because we just have that for, for both and contract in every episode thereafter um die for you thankful for you and your voice and your talent and guys i know this week is really is uh, is a lot can bring up a lot of emotions and a lot of thoughts and feels um, you know, the holidays can be a difficult time for a lot of people. And right now is a difficult time for a lot of people. And just we're sending you all of our love. Keep breathing. Keep making your way through. You're doing great. And I hope you are all staying safe and sane, getting vaccinated, a.k.a. boosted if you can. And we will talk to you soon. Happy, Happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye.